This is On Location. I'm Tim Leitner. Today's episode comes to you on location from Georgia and Alaska. But first, On Location is produced by the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Manlin and me. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Breaker, and Radio Public, among others. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast service and tell all your friends. On today's episode, I have a conversation with Wendy Parker and John Strickland about what the Georgia Department of Human Services Division of Child Support Services is doing with the Parental Accountability Court and Fatherhood Programs. Hear about their successes, their passion, and their dedication. It's a great opportunity to learn about interagency engagement and to know more about what NCS friends and members are doing in the great state of Georgia. It's going to be a great show, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome to another NCA On Location. I'm Tim Leitner from the Alaska Child Support Services Division in Anchorage, Alaska. And today we are engaging with the Georgia Department of Human Services Division of Child Support with their fatherhood program and their parent accountability court. This is a great opportunity for interagency engagement and to know more about what NCS friends and members in the great state of Georgia are doing. We have on this episode, Wendy Parker and John Strickland. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let me ask you if you could introduce yourselves a little bit. Tell us about where you're from, how long you've been in the child support program, what parts of the program uh, or the programs you've worked in, just a little bit about yourselves for our listeners. Okay. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm Wendy Parker. I do manage our parental accountability court program for the Division of Child Support Services. And um, I'm actually in Ackworth, Georgia. And um, it's just north of Atlanta. It's a great area. And I've been with the child support program since 2017. I think John's got a few more years on me uh, with child support. But I actually transitioned to the Department of Human Services from the Department of Public Health. Um, I've spent many years in the public health arena with um, wraparound services for our families where we support childhood injury prevention, worked with National Safe Kids Coalitions, things like that. And what drew me to the child support program with what we're doing in our outreach department is the wraparound services for the entire family. You know, it's all about the child. We want to get resources to our children and to our families. And our outreach programs do that by, by helping the adults, you know, 
serve the barriers that are in their life. And so that's really what drew it to me. I felt like it was a, a the epitome of child welfare in the sense that we're providing resources for that family. So I love this work and I love working with John and um, the fatherhood program. Thank you, Ms. Wendy. Tim, uh, I, I've been with child support for 22 years, the state of Georgia, working with fatherhood program, worked in training, um, for a short period of time. And then my heart was in the fatherhood program. So I came back to the fatherhood program for a variety of reasons. But the main reason is I love the work that we do. I like being able to reach out to the community, work with the community, work with our customers, and being involved in a scenario that can offer a change, a difference, an improvement in individual lives. So enjoy what I do. Uh, one of the greatest opportunities that I have is to engage with our internal partners, such as Miss Wendy. The folks internally are always supportive, always encouraging, and they always offer us great challenges so that we can go forth and do great things for our community and customers. So I'm pleased to be with you guys today, and I hope that we will we'll be able to give you some information that uh, will be meaningful and helpful in the future. Absolutely. I think our I think our listeners are going to be engaged listening because I can already hear the passion coming through. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Georgia Department of Human Services, your division of child support services. Um, can you tell me how many um, I think you've got quite a few offices and I believe they're uh, county based or at least for the uh, the county offices. Can you tell us how many how many offices you have in the in the state of Georgia? Yes, sir, Mr. Tim, I'll take that that question. Uh, Georgia Division of Child Support Services has 55 local child support offices stretched out throughout the state of Georgia. All of those offices are doing tremendous work. They're open um to any scenario that they are confronted with, resolving problems for our customers, internal as well as external. And then, John, can you tell me, I know that uh, certain states may do things judicially through the courts or uh, administratively and some kind of a hybrid of the two. What does Georgia do in terms of, of uh, child support? Is it uh, court-based or is it administrative? Well, Georgia is a unique state, and I can say that for a variety of reasons. But one of the best things that I can say about Georgia is this. Georgia as a state uses both judicial and administrative processes for, in, for in, uh, enforcement remedies and establishing support obligations. So uh, I guess you would say we are uh, a great leader within the nation. <laughs> and then do you know how many cases that are families even that the Georgia program serves? Yes, sir. Um, I'm going to give you a number now. When you get above two, three, five, or 10, it gets me a little tongue-tied. <laughs> I am excitedly to say that um, the Division of Child Support Services caseload is well over 350000 for the uh, physical year 2020. That's incredible. And then I just have to ask, do you, do you have any idea how much Georgia collects in child support each year? Yes, sir. Uh, again, that's a pretty good number for the state of Georgia and for the children of Georgia. Uh, if I could just somewhat round it off, it is over $835 million that is collected to serve the children of Georgia. And I honestly believe that that is making a difference in individual lives for the lives 
for the children as well as the family lives. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has to. You know, I, I keep hearing that phrase, and it it really um uh, really touches me. Uh, I keep hearing that phrase, "the great state of Georgia," and the the person that I've heard that a lot from in the recent past. It's Tangela Gray. So I'm going to just ask these, these questions a little bit here. I know that you've had some transition going on in the uh, Georgia Division of Child Support. Uh, Tangela Gray, your longtime director at NCA's longtime friend and our former NCA president, has moved up and on. And you've got a new director, John Hurst. Uh, Wendy, can you tell us a little bit about that transition and what's happening there? Yes, I'd love to talk about that. You know, former Director Gray was appointed as Deputy Commissioner with the Georgia Department of Human Services, as well as Child Support Administrator for Georgia. And so in this role, Deputy Commissioner Gray supports the DHS Commissioner, as well as Georgia's Depart- Division of Child Support Services and a few other areas of DHS as well. And then um, Mr. John Hurst was appointed as the Interim Director and Mr. Hurst brings over 28 years, actually I think combined between him and Deputy Commissioner Gray, they've both had over a 20-year career within child support, and um, he brings a lot of experience into that role. You know, he most recently served as Deputy Director under uh, Ms. Gray, and so, you know, Mr. Hurst is an active member, as you know, Tim, of NCA, and is currently serving on three of the committees, so we're so proud of both of them and both of their leadership just what they've brought to this agency, as well as the support they've given to our outreach program has, has just been phenomenal. We wouldn't be here without them. Well, that's that's great to hear. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about not just the leadership of Tangela, not just the leadership of John, but I want to talk a, a more and kind of dive deeper into, Wendy, for you, uh, one of the exciting programs that Georgia has, and that's the Parent Accountability Court. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what you do what impacts you've had. Let me just turn this over to you to just talk to us about that um, that parent accountability court. Well, John will agree. We, we love to talk about the outreach work here in Georgia. And for the parental accountability court program, which we affectionately refer to as PAC, so I'm just going to call it PAC from here on out, if that's okay with you guys. It's a mouthful, but it's it's what it says. It's accountability. So what happens with PAC is you know, we, Georgia Department of Human Services, we partner with our superior court judges. And back in 2009, one of our judges, John Simpson in Coweta County, um, recognized a program in, from North Carolina that was doing something very similar to what we all might affectionately know, um, like drug court or mental health court. We have veterans court, similar things nationwide. And so, but there was a judge in North Carolina doing something very similar with those processes for child support, um, contempt of child support. So what we do is we work with the participants that have a child support case that are in contempt. All right. So we've exhausted administrative actions with them. You know, we're still struggling to uh, get payments from them for their family. And so what we will do is they will come under instead of being incarcerated, for contempt of payment or non-payment, what we want to do is bring them under the oversight of the Superior Court judge. And so Georgia DHS will hire a coordinator for that judicial circuit. We have 49 judicial circuits in Georgia. If, if my memory serves me right, we have 42 
uh, circuits covered with the program. And so with that, they many of the circuits cover multiple counties, as you can imagine. But the program really, it, it's social work at its best. It's the best way that I can describe it. I think all of our outreach programs are, but what we do is we really work on a case management plan with these individuals. They are accountable to the judge, but they the, the heavy lifter of this PAC team, if you will, is the coordinator in the field. They set short-term and long-term goals with them. Many of these participants have never set goals. And we can say that with authority because we're meeting with them. We know that they have struggled in their life with setting a goal, achieving a goal, and they've just been on this cycle of disappointment for many, many factors that come into that. So we work with them on the barriers that they identify during this conversation with the coordinator so we can try to get them resources to help fix what's broken in their life. And it's the same thing with fatherhood. You know, we're trying to figure out what happened. You know, what do you need that you can't get on your own? And and that's really where we are with this program. Our judges are, are just phenomenal. You know, they get five minutes with a judge sometimes once a month, but majority of their time is with the child support coordinator that's just doing intense casework with them. Um, we, we eventually find them sustainable employment so that they can pay their child support regular on time. And we also can help connect them with their children as well. So that's just kind of an overview of the program itself, but it's really a partnership between us the judges so that we can keep them out of jail. And also that saves money to the local entities, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was, I was listening and, and looking over uh, some of the, um, the services that PAC offers, and you've, you've talked some about the goal setting and whatnot. Um, I, I see there's some other areas too that are offered or, or addressed. And I was wondering if you could kind of show some of those. I, I know uh, one of those is substance abuse treatment, but you've got, a, you've got several that you really dive into. We do. And that's a really great, uh, great point. So, you know, the program is individualized. So when we're talking to somebody and trying to figure out what went wrong or where did you hit that, you know, barrier in the road, a lot of times we are dealing with some mental health um, issues. Now, we are not certified counselors by any mean, you know, or anything like that, but we refer Majority of our circuits refer the participants to an initial evaluation at one of our behavioral health facilities. We partner with the state's division of Department of Behavioral Health. So we have a lot of services at our disposal because of that. And then when we do that, sometimes the counselors at those facilities, the certified counselors will come back to us and the judge and make recommendations on treatment. And sometimes those recommendations are, you know, we've uncovered a history of substance abuse. You know, we're talking about a lifelong addiction problem that, as, as you and I both know, majority of the time is, is very obvious. And the coordinators are not oblivious to that, right? So they dive in with the participant and have those conversations. So when we're able to get them the treatment that they need, that maybe they have fell in and out of over their life, but under a judge's oversight, they have to attend those meetings, right? That's part of the accountability. So we've seen a lot of success with that. We've got great success stories. So we're proud of those partnerships. And then, you know, we also deal a lot with a lower education level. So, and John, I'm not sure I, I would 
grant that you guys probably see this as much as we do, but I mean, we have individuals that are sixth grade, seventh grade education where they really haven't ever even thought about getting their GED certificate, right? Like that's just too far-fetched for them to think that that's something that they could even accomplish in their life. You know, 40 years old, I only had a seventh grade education. So these are the kind of things that we really work on in our intake with them. And if they want to go get a GED, we're going to help them get that. And some of the judges that we have, not all of them, but some of them require it. If they don't have their GED, they're going to get it done before they graduate this program. So those are just some of the um, things that we work on. Job placement services, we, you know, John will talk about the partnership we have with technical colleges. So um, it's just it's just wonderful. Yeah, I think those those partnerships are are so vastly needed, and, and really that's that um, interagency engagement at its core, and connecting yes. the dots and getting people services, and not just strictly looking at collection of child support money. So right. really kudos to what you're doing. You know, Wendy, I've also looked at the Georgia website because I was kind of fascinated to kind of click around there. And I see you've got a fact sheet about the uh, Parent Accountability Corps, and it's got some really interesting statistics on there. Maybe you could just kind of summarize some of those metrics for us to let us know how that kind of pans out and in, in who, in, uh, who you serve and how many you serve. But let me just turn it back to you with that. Well, I love that question because, you know, back in 09 when Judge Simpson saw something that he thought had merit, right? That was, I mean, over 10 years ago. So since that time in 2012, because they saw promise with the accountability model, the court model, leadership went to the the legislature to get approval to get more judicial circuits involved, right? Because that can take money and, you know, support and you want to have your leadership support on that. So then Governor um, uh, Nathan Deal, we he, part of his criminal justice reform was to really look at an accountability court model. Well, child support wasn't in that typical model, right? So this was new. So to seek out leadership of approval, if you will, or blessing is a really critical component of all the work we're all doing nationwide. So when we got leadership's approval on that, we moved really fast getting other judicial circuits involved. And so once we did that, the numbers just just blew up. So since 2009, we've served over 5,000 people. We've helped over 5,000 what we affectionately refer to, as you know, Tim, are non-custodial parents. So those individuals that don't have custody of the child who are in contempt, we've helped over 5,000 since 2009. And that has provided over $15 million to over 14,000 children. So those are the numbers for statistic reasons, but it, it's it's definitely made an impact. We're working on our second um, evidence-based and evaluation report of the program. And the first report was very, very promising information for us. So we're really excited to see what the next one releases and we'll be glad to share that as well. That, that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd be very interested in that. You know, you, you talked about the um, the numbers and, and, and who you've been serving and how many, but we've been really hit with this, um, this thing called the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was wondering a little bit, how has the PAC program kind of responded to families and to the needs of families during this last year? Well, you know, last summer when 
this this happened, it brought a lot of challenges to our environment as we knew it. And we we had to do a deep dive in really looking at the needs of our participants. And we found out that over half of our participants that we were serving didn't either have a cell phone, they had did not have a cell phone or they didn't have a cell, they had a cell phone that had like limitations, right? So for us to ask them to do virtual meetings, which is my point, you know, to convert from an in-person meeting to a virtual, well, they don't have the equipment to do that like we kind of might naturally think someone might. So they would have a cell phone with limited minutes and they couldn't do a virtual cord or something like that. So that was one of the challenges that we really had to punt quickly with and, and make some quick decisions on accountability and how that would change and look from a judge's perspective when we really weren't set up for it. So it really helped us look at the resources that we needed to be successful. Additionally, you know, our court systems went on emergency, judicial emergency orders for closure. So when they're on closure and then they started back to open, we really didn't know how to handle that immediately. So um, I did, as you mentioned, um, when we were talking last week, you know, we did a podcast late last summer about, you know, our response to the pandemic. And one of the things that we found is that a lot of the courts weren't set up to do virtual courts. We've done them for administrative hearings here in Georgia. We were always set up for that. But one of the things we didn't have is everything else. So we've made a lot of partnerships. Um, I'm sure you can understand IT infrastructure was really looked at with the microscope on how we can do this because from the Department of Human Services perspective, we weren't really familiar with the use of some of these virtual platforms, right? Like Zoom or, um, you know, we were comfortable with Microsoft Office because that's what we use. So we had to go get judicial support and support from our leadership on what's the best and safest way to perform in this. But you know, but now, you know, Tim, our courts are opening back up and our field team is back meeting with participants in person. We're practicing social distancing and and following our protocols. But it's definitely caused us some setbacks because I'll tell you, these participants in this program, human interaction is something that they they are starving for. And we've yes. seen it and it has hurt accountability not having that. So we're glad to kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy in a safe manner, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of connect the dots to you. You were uh, mentioning an NCA on location podcast that you did with Pat O'Donnell and some others. And for those that want to check that out or want to listen to it again, uh, that was titled As the World Changed in an Instant Part Two. And there's some great information on there just to kind of make a shameless plug in the midst of all this. Wendy, let me ask you, what what is your passion about this program? In other words, what drew you in? What motivates you? Can you kind of leave us with that kind of flavor about what gets you up in the morning and what brings you to work with this great PAC program that you're doing? I love this question. You know, I care greatly, and our whole team does, this division does. We care about serving those who struggle with helping themselves. And you know, these outreach programs focus on providing adults, as I mentioned earlier, you know, those resources to improve their lives. And, you know, that's just what this is all about. And when we improve our ability 
to be self-sufficient and caring for ourselves, we can help others in our lives like our children. And, you know, a true wraparound program, it really does demonstrate the ability that we have on others and the decisions that they make as a result of witnessing that. So there's no doubt in my mind that children that see their mother or father improve their life after years of struggle, you can't tell me that they're not going to do something with that in their life as an adult. So I think it affects the whole family unit. I'm proud of what we're doing here and, and proud to partner with the fatherhood program and all of us working together. So thanks, Tim. So John, you're with the fatherhood program and I believe you're a program unit supervisor. Can you tell us a little bit about the fatherhood program and what its purpose is and what you do in your role? Tim, I thank you for that question. I appreciate it. Uh, let me say that I am privileged to be able to work with the fatherhood program. I have been with the Georgia fatherhood program since there has been a Georgia fatherhood program. Our program was initiated in 1997 with 13 technical colleges and about 13 child support offices. It worked so well in accomplishing its goal that it went statewide in 1998. When it went statewide in 1998, I was privileged to be able to be hired at the technical college as a fatherhood coordinator. I worked there for a little while and was promoted up to a regional field coordinator and was over the 17 Southern schools that was affiliated with the Georgia Fatherhood Program. And then I had the blessed privilege of being able to be hired by the Division of Child Support Services. So I said all that to say this, the Fatherhood Program is not just a program that I work to get a check from, it is a program that I work to make a difference in. So my work, my involvement in the program allows me personally to serve the citizens of Georgia. It allows me the opportunity to give them an opportunity of participating in a program that can make a difference in their lives. The Georgia Fatherhood Program works with unemployed and underemployed individuals and individuals who are unskilled. And when we look at that population of individuals, that population of people many times find themselves in a scenario that they cannot control. Before 1997, those individuals had no recourse where they could receive help. They would just have to somewhat struggle in the situation they found themselves in. But when we created the Georgia Fatherhood Program and it went statewide in 1998, within a 45 mile radius of every citizen in the state of Georgia, the Georgia Fatherhood Program was available so that we could serve the unemployed, the underemployed and the unskilled. In other words, if you were unemployed, our program would help you find employment. If you were underemployed, we would help you find better employment. If you were unskilled or untrained, we had a collaboration with the technical college throughout the state of Georgia where we would refer individuals to the college and they would enter into short-term training programs. And within three to six months, the participant was trained with a skill that they could go out and sell to an employer. We used to say it like this and do say it like this from time to time at orientation. 
It's not a strong back that employers are hiring. It is a skilled mind. And what we focus on in the Georgia Fatherhood Program is getting an individual skilled so that they can go out and sell that skill to the highest bidder, whereby which they can become enabled to meet the needs of their life. In other words, they become self-sufficient. They're able to take care of their emotional needs, their financial needs, and they're able to live life in an environment where they feel successful and their life has become meaningful because all the difficulties doesn't seem to drown them or pull them down like it once did. One of the most important things that I could say about the fatherhood program is this. We continuously are connecting children with parents. We deal with a non-custodial parent, uh, the parent that does not have primary custody of the child. And DHS, DCSS believes that children needs both parents. And that means that the fatherhood program is connecting the father in the family in a way that provides support to the children because we believe that children need both parents. And whenever you can put that father figure in the household, it makes a tremendous difference for the man or woman themselves or especially for the children that are in that family. We are proud to say, I, I do take a little pride in this, but it's humble pride to be able to say that we are the first father engagement program that is administrated statewide in the nation. Uh, I have worked with Georgia and the fatherhood program, like I said earlier, for 22 years. And um, I, I do what I do because it does make a difference in people's lives. You know, John, you can you can really tell the passion that you have and and really how you're engaged to help people, not really a program, but really people in their individual struggles and, and to make a difference. And, and that really comes through with, with listening to you. Um, it's really, really encouraging. I, I was going to ask if, if you know of, of any, you know, our folks always wonder about numbers and metrics and and um, well, that has its place. I, I, I did want to ask a little bit about that. Do you know how many non-custodial parents or I think you said uh, parents that don't have primary custody. How many How many of those parents that you're serving in Georgia are the fathers um, in those cases? We've got um, currently enrolled uh, 2,491 participants in the Georgia Fatherhood Program. But the good news, Tim, is this. On a weekly or biweekly basis, those numbers are increasing because we've got fatherhood agents uh, throughout the state of Georgia. Matter of fact, I think that we have 32 fatherhood agents throughout the state of Georgia who are conducting orientations on a weekly or biweekly basis enrolling individuals who need our assistance. So I look at that number and I applaud that number for two reasons. Reason number one, I am humbled that the citizens of Georgia have confidence in the program and enroll. I applaud that for a second reason, that we've got fatherhood agents who want to work in this type of environment, assisting individuals so that they can overcome their struggles. 
Absolutely. And, and John, with those, with those 32, um, I think you called them fatherhood agents, is there any plans to expand that in the state of Georgia? Well, uh, Tim, that, that is a good question because when we reminisce, we can look back and see that from 1997 to the present date, we have continually grown the Georgia Fatherhood Program. We have had exceptional leaders who have guided us and directed us. Uh, one of those, you know, we can look at uh, Ms. Tangela Gray. Uh, she's helped us tremendously throughout the, the years with the fatherhood program. So our leadership has been exceptional. We can say that our commissioner, uh, Ms. Robin A. Crittenton, has worked tirelessly to help us expand the Georgia Fatherhood Program. So when we began to look at it, we have completed several expansions of the Fatherhood Program from 1997 to current date. But we can say that in physical year 2020, we did expand the Fatherhood Program again in a variety of areas. We have expanded adding online skills assessments for our participants. In other words, they can enroll in the Georgia Fatherhood Program, and we have a skills assessment evaluation that they can take. And whenever they take that assessment, it will help them identify the, the interest for employment. And it not only would help them in a, in a identify their interest, but it would also help them identify those interests that pays the best wages. So, we are expanding numerically. We are expanding, I think, with, with the resources and the opportunities that we are offering our customers. We, we've strengthened our ability to identify community resources in every county throughout the state of Georgia. We now have a business support analyst who's going to help us identify our trends and help us increase our performance measures helps us keep up with our performances as well. Uh, we are now very, very much involved in the lives of our participants, of our customers, helping them familiarize themselves with lots of resources and opportunities that engages them in activities, number one, that they enjoy, but in activities, number two, that will benefit them financially and emotionally. So we are expanding. We have expanded. I think that the Georgia Fatherhood Program will have its greatest days ahead of us as we learn from the great days that are behind us. Um, our goal for uh, 2021 is to continue expanding that relationship, providing customers the access to resources that will increase their employability and strengthen them financially as well as emotionally so that they can be the father to the child and be of assistance to that child and not just be a name or a number to that child, but be a father. And, and I say that for this reason. Um, I was raised in foster homes. I was put in foster homes whenever I was six years old. And one of the greatest things that I needed as a young man developing was a father figure. And in those foster homes I lived in, 
I had lots of great role models. And what we're doing with the fatherhood program is expanding our availability to our customers so that we can help them reach the potentials that they themselves want to reach for the betterment of our children as well as our society. So, John, let me also ask you, we've, we've gone through this past year, uh, just like Wendy's talked about, with a lot going on with this COVID-19 pandemic and how states and counties and programs that they have adjusted. And, um, you know, it's it's been a, a, a strange year, you know, to say it mildly. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how the fatherhood program has responded to and adjusted during this past year? Yes, sir, Tim, I thank you for that opportunity. Um, let me let me first of all give credit to where credit is due, and that is DHS and DCSS awesome leadership. In order to make it through any crisis, you got to have a leader. You got to have someone who's willing to drive the bus and sometimes even push the bus. That is exactly what our commissioner, Miss Robin A. Crittenton, has done for us. She has led us. She has directed us. She has challenged us. She has charged us with her enthusiasm. She has challenged us. And I appreciate that so very, very much. So I want to give accolades to our leaders because it is because of their leadership that the Georgia Fatherhood Program, as well as our agency, has moved forward. COVID-19 was a pandemic Nonetheless, I can honestly say that the Georgia Fatherhood Program has been moving forward with the pandemic or even without the pandemic because of the awesome leadership we have. Our Fatherhood Program continues to have frequent meetings with our staff virtually. We do that so that we can engage with everyone. We don't, any, we don't want anyone to feel as if they are on an island by themselves because we do have restrictions and guidelines that we must follow. So we've used the virtual platform to reach out and engage with our staff on a weekly basis, sometimes even on a daily basis. We continue to include various platforms to support our work that has been given to us through DHS and DCSS, including Microsoft Teams, OneNote, SharePoint, Microsoft Forms. All of these things are incorporated into our day-to-day work so that we can perform a service for our customers. Even though we may be in the midst of a pandemic, we never want to be a problem to our people, whereby which we have always been able to provide services to our people. Now, when we start thinking about uh, the staff of the Georgia Fatherhood Program, I want to go on record to say so that folks will understand that the Georgia Fatherhood Program has not stuttered at all. We have continued our work. We have gone from in-person orientations to virtual orientations. Uh, We have a variety of orientations that go on either bi-weekly or weekly every single month. We've got accountability meetings that occur weekly or bi-weekly with our customers. We continuously to engage our customers in this virtual world so that we can lead them to work. 
We don't want to lead them to worry. We want to lead them to work, whereby which, with our leadership, we have created this virtual platform and we have created an opportunity to engage with our customers, internal, external, that has made a difference in the work that we do and in the lives that we serve. I honestly do believe that the pandemic has taught us valuable lessons. It has caused us to be educated even more than we are. It has been frustrating, I'm sure, for some, but I can say this most assuredly. The Georgia Fatherhood Program, because of our leadership, has learned valuable lessons from the pandemic. And by that, I mean this. We have learned to more readily respond and connect with our people. Where you see, there was a time whenever we had face-to-face orientations, Tim, individuals couldn't drive to where we were. But through the pandemic, we have been trained to have virtual orientations, which means a person does not have to leave their home. All they've got to do is pick up their phone. They can engage with us at no expense. They can call us. They can email us. They can meet with us virtually through Teams and through the other networks that we provide them with so that we can engage and meet the needs that they might be facing at the moment. Matter of fact, I'd kind of close it out like this. The pandemic has given DCSS Fatherhood Program the opportunity to almost be 24-7 available to our customers. That means this in my mind. We are able to reach you where you are. We don't have to worry about getting you to where we are. We can work together from this virtual platform to make a difference in all of our lives and to engage the disengaged so that they can go back to work. So even though the pandemic has been problematic, I've got to say that the pandemic has been profitable for the Georgia Fatherhood Program because of our stellar leaders within. Boy, John, well, very well said. I mean, you can you can just hear the passion coming from you. And I, I want to ask this to you as, as I, I did with Wendy. What is your passion about this program for you? You've kind of addressed that a little bit with what you were just saying, but is there anything else that you'd like to say about what gets you up in the morning to, to um, come to work and be involved in this program? Tim, I appreciate that question because it is a uh, question that I can elaborate on. But to be transparent, I will go back 22 years ago. And I will say that 22 years ago, whenever I started this journey with the Georgia Fatherhood Program, I needed a job. And I was hired to perform a job. But now I have moved from keeping a job to continuing the journey. And that means I've gone from getting a paycheck to participating in meeting the needs of people. People ask me on a regular basis why I do what I do. And I tell them unequivocally, I do what I do because it makes a difference in people's lives. It not only makes a difference in our customers' lives, but it makes a difference in my life. It makes me remember from whence I came and the benefits experienced and where I'm headed. It also allows me every night when I lay my head down on the pillow 
to be able to say this to myself about my day. I offered an individual an opportunity to make a difference in their scenario. If they're struggling financially, I can help them with the, with the program. If they're struggling emotionally, I can help them with the program. If they are struggling with skills, etc., I can help them with the program. So every night, whenever I lay my head down on my pillow, I know that having been involved in the Georgia Fatherhood Program, I have extended an opportunity to an individual to make a difference. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be successful, but that means everybody's had an opportunity to be successful. That is the reason I am so grateful for the Georgia Fatherhood Program. That is the reason I'm so grateful for the leaders who have helped us pave the way and for our leaders who keeps this program alive and thriving in the state of Georgia. John, I, I like that. And I, I, I just jotted down because it, it really stands out to me. What you're, what you're talking about for your personal journey is having gone from a paycheck to a purpose. Yes, sir. And, 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 you know, your, your motivation, your engagement, um, your passion. Uh, I, I got to tell you, it is infectious and um, it's exciting. Thank you. I think, I think I've just been to church. So um, John, it has been a pleasure. Well, this has been NCA on location. And I want to thank Wendy Parker and John Strickland for spending time with us today. It has been a pleasure to learn more about what the Georgia Department of Human Services Division of Child Support is doing in the great state of Georgia with their fatherhood program and their parent accountability court. And we look forward to hearing many, many great things to come from Georgia. We look forward to talking to you, our listeners, on the next NCIA On Location. On Location is available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We have a lot of great episodes on the way, so be sure to subscribe and listen to all of our previous episodes as well. We also appreciate your ratings, your feedback, your comments, and your suggestions. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us on the contact link on our website. On Location is a production of the NCA Communications Committee with special production assistance from Joe Mamlin and me. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Tim Leitner, and this has been On Location. <laughs>